welcome to mini episode 177 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have six spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from March the 29th, 2022. And story number one comes from Taylor. At the start of lockdown, I started working at a manor house and estate, built in the 1700s, I believe. It's currently a private house and thoroughbred stud. And I was there to look after the horses and to foal the mares. I was a horsey midwife, basically. When I went for my interview, the boss lady showed me around and showed me where I would be living. It was a flat apartment in the end of one of the wings of the house. It had its own door and set of stairs. When you open the door at the top of the stairs, which was technically the front door, you could go left to the bathroom or right down a long hall which had two bedrooms on your right and at the end of the hall was the living room and kitchen. There were two doors at opposite ends of the living room which both led into the kitchen. One was beside a window and it didn't open, so we just used the other one. Beside the bathroom was a door which led into the main house, but it was always kept locked. The house is so old and has so much history. I asked the lady, half as a joke and half serious, if there were ever any ghosts. I said I didn't mind if there were, I just wanted to say hello. But her face dropped and she just said, no, no ghosts. I thought the change in her demeanor was a bit odd, but brushed it off and never thought about it again. I moved in and started working and everything was grand. A couple of weeks went past without much to tell, but I started feeling uneasy at times in the flat. It felt like the kind of feeling you get when you're in someone's house and they want you to leave but won't say, that uncomfortable feeling. This feeling was almost overwhelming in the first bedroom and that's where the hot press was and the hoover and I used to literally run in and out of that room to avoid the feeling. I knew from the get-go that the presence was male. I don't know how, I just knew. My boyfriend Callum came down to stay not long after this feeling started. At the time, I was getting up hourly to check the mares that were due to give birth. It was about 3am and I went and did my checks and came back. I never turned any lights on to try not to disturb him, but when I got back to the room, I could see through the dark that he was white as a sheet. I got into bed and asked him what was wrong. He said very plainly there was a man at the end of the bed near the door. I looked and sure enough there was a black figure that stood out against the darkness. It slowly dissipated. We both went back to sleep and that was that. I started seeing what looked like a man dressed as a butler out of the corner of my eye. Whenever I would, that unwelcome feeling intensified. I also started smelling women's perfume in the scary bedroom. A couple of weeks later, Callum was staying over again. I went out to do the morning's work and came back to the flat for lunch after. He was still in bed and asked me if I'd come back in about 10 minutes after I left. I said no, and he told me that he had heard someone run down the hall and back up to the front door. I thought he was pulling my leg to try and scare me. A few days later, I was laying in bed at night and I heard what I thought was someone coming quickly down the hall towards the kitchen. I was the only one there at the time, so I shot up, thinking maybe it was the boss looking for me or something. I stuck my head out the door and called out, but there was no one there. The lights were still off and the doors were still locked. As the weeks went on, everything sort of intensified, but I learned to live with it. The footsteps in the hall, the smell of perfume and the uneasy feeling in the scary bedroom. The spare door in the kitchen that didn't open would rattle like someone was trying to open it. The TV and the lights started turning themselves on and off at random intervals. The yard was quite spread out, and when I was checking the mares hourly, 
I would have to walk from the flat to the falling stables. They were about 100 yards away. I had to make this journey back and forth once an hour when a mare was due. I cannot stress how much I hated that walk to and from the falling stables. I constantly felt like there was someone behind me breathing down my neck. It was the most awful feeling. This was all fairly standard ghosty type stuff. But I was in for a shock. There was a U-shaped stable block right beside the house, which was the oldest block on the yard and was originally used as a carriage house as well as the original stables. The stables had a door that opened into the aisles and a door that opened into the courtyard in the middle of the U-shape. They were those split doors, so we used to leave the top door open to let the horses out. I was in one of the stables one day. It was a gorgeous day, really warm, sunny and not a cloud in the sky. I was working when I saw a man, clear and solid as you or I, walking across the courtyard. He was wearing a worn whitish shirt, a brown tweed type waistcoat, brown corduroy trousers, a brown flat cap, brown shoes and he had a faded green bandana tied around his neck. He was walking quite confidently but I didn't recognise him and as the yard was a private one and no one should have been there, I called out to him. He didn't respond. I decided to go and see who he was but the bottom half of the stable door was locked shut so I had to go to the other door and around the long way, about 30 feet. By the time I got back round to the courtyard he was gone. Not a trace of him. I looked all over for him and asked a few other staff if they had seen a man and they all said no. I was perplexed. A week or so later I asked the man that owned the place if he believed in ghosts. He said without hesitation, Did you see him? See who? I said back. I call him the footman. He described the man I saw to a T, told me that he's seen him a few times and that he disappears as soon as he appears. He's just doing his job, I think, he said, which he probably was. After all, the stables were still full of horses needing looking after. I did not see him again during my time at the property, but I've never forgotten how vivid and solid he was. The activity in the flat was pretty much constant until I moved out. It got to the point where I started saying hello, good morning, good night, etc. to the butler that I would see out of the corner of my eye. I was there for about six months total before leaving to go and work elsewhere, but I've never forgotten anything that happened. I can see why you've never forgotten it. I wonder if the butler really didn't want you there. Like those big old houses would have had loads of staff back in the day and those houses would have been absolutely linear when it came to status when it came to who was allowed to go where it would have been very black and white if you were not part of the family there were certain parts of the house that you weren't allowed in if you were not part of the family you were obviously part of the staff right so what if that butler is still there doing his duties and all of a sudden there's this girl and her boyfriend who are in the flat because I believe that you said that one of the wings was turned into an apartment so in the butler's mind that wing would have still been a wing and therefore he was like who's this bitch coming in here and living in the big house with the family and as for the man in the stable while it doesn't make it less freaky to have seen him I just wonder if that is exactly what he was doing just doing his job there were still horses to be looking after there was still busyness in the stables so maybe he just continued doing his job forever and story number two comes from coach 
We were on a beautiful yacht, not ours, stunning French coastline, a return trip to Ireland, to leave said beautiful yacht in Cork. One night in a beautiful harbour, myself and herself are sleeping in the rear in separate bunks. I was awoken to this man at the end of my bunk shouting and roaring at me. It was in French, so I hadn't a clue what his problem was. He must have figured this out because he started shouting, listen to me, over and over. He said, if you don't listen to me, I'll slit her throat, pointing at my wife. I turned and looked to where my wife was sleeping, only to see some younger blonde girl with her throat slit lying there. I looked back at the man. I was pretty pissed off and I said, I'm fucking listening. Well, at that, his expression changed to surprise. Maybe because I could hear him, maybe because I wasn't scared. And he dissipated out the back of the boat. That was that. My wife didn't know anything about what happened and I went back to sleep. I didn't have any other experiences for the remainder of the trip. Can somebody please give me a yacht so I can yacht to the coastline of France? Thanks very much. Although preferably without the weird ghostly time slip thing that just happened. That's what it sounds like. Sounds like you slipped into another time and then slipped back out of it again. Although I think I would be a lot more alarmed if I woke up and there was a strange French man on my boat shouting at me. I think I'd get a bit freaked out. And story number three comes from John. I've never been a fan of horror or paranormal movies. I've always had the impression that there's no such thing as ghosts, only demons. And truthfully, that has always scared the hell out of me. So as a child, especially, I was very vocal and repugnant to see these films with friends or having anything to do with them in the supernatural, games or otherwise. I don't know where this belief came from. Perhaps from my mother or my family, as they are for the most part all devout Italian Catholics. Though I never went through confirmation or the Catholic Church, it is possible that some of the beliefs rubbed off on me. And until I was 15, I had never had any experiences. I wasn't sure whether or not to write to you, as there are quite a few things I've been witness to, but for the most part they've been lacklustre. I wasn't sure it'd be worth writing about. It all started when I was 15. I had just moved back to rural East Texas to live with my dad, my stepmother and my baby sister. The move was my choice. From what I can remember, the atmosphere at home hadn't yet reached its peak in marital volatility, but I liked to get out of the house from time to time anyway. I lived on a 400-acre cattle ranch deep in the piney woods. There were legends surrounding that place, mostly BS from what I can tell now, but the land never scared me. Most nights when I didn't have homework, I would hop on my dirt bike and ride the mile through the woods and across the pastures to go and see my cousin on the other side of the property. She is nine months my junior. Her and I have always had an uncanny relationship, often thinking the same thing or responding the same way to something. We look very alike and most people at this time thought we were siblings. One night as I was leaving her house, perhaps around 11pm, I was on the dirt bike going very slowly down the long dirt driveway, but I had only cleared the front of the house at this point. I noticed something over my shoulder. Thinking it was her trying to flag me down because I'd forgotten something, I almost came to a stop and turned to look and see what she wanted. Only it wasn't her. In that moment I wasn't sure what I was looking at, but I also knew that it didn't matter, because it had taken a couple of long, slow strides towards me from the porch down to the ground. 
I'm given to understand it was what people call a shadow man. Very tall and broad, no features, just very dark. Its long, slow strides hastened as it was now charging at me. At the time, I wasn't aware of my supernatural radar and had no eerie or otherworldly feelings about it. I had a clear sense of real-world danger. I was very present in the moment and treated it as if it was a person. Well, without concern for my cousin, she was inside and, being it was East Texas, was very well armed, I ran through the gears of that dirt bike like I was in the MotoGP. Though, as I reached the paved road, I made the decision to go a different way home. I chose to take that road a mile or so to the left, to go in a back gate instead of taking the gate directly across the road from me. I thought it would buy me some time to get away, so when I had to get off the bike I'd be a little safer. I remember that night was moonless, and the headlight on the dirt bike blinked in and out as the bumps jarred the bulb inside, but it didn't matter. I had known these woods my entire life, and I could have made it back home with no light. Only minutes later, I came sliding into my own driveway, staying on the bike just long enough to keep it upright on the stand before jumping off and sprinting inside. I found my dad was still awake on the couch watching TV, so I found a spot right next to him and just sat. This was the first of many experiences that I've had over the years. I'm a welder and work alone at the back of my shop. As I was listening to the podcast, I leaned over to take a closer look at what I was working on after using an air tool to smooth some things up, when I felt a cold breath blow on my neck. I about shit. Then I realised it was the air tool in my hand, slowly leaking onto my neck. Oh, we love it. We love a story that freaks you out, but then you realise it's not paranormal. It's just the air tool that I'm using while I'm welding, or whatever it is. They make me laugh. I enjoy them. Thank you very much. Um, In regards to the shadow figure, it is... Is it just me? Am I speaking out of turn when I say that it's kind of unusual to have a shadow figure in, like, broad daylight? We usually see them kind of in bedrooms at nighttime skulking, We generally don't see them sprinting after somebody. To be really honest, if it was my cousin in the house, I'd be like, listen, you're fine. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about myself, okay? You gotta fend for yourself. That's a pretty, pretty bold move for that shadow figure, I have to say. And story number four comes from Dakota. I would first like to say that I've always been able to see ghost spirits or whatever you want to call them. I was raised pagan and like traditional witches, our cats are our best friends in the world. I have five cats. Well, I had five cats. Yesterday, one of my cats, Gigi, was hit by a car and they drove off without stopping. I'm sure they saw her because she was a small white ball of fluffiness. My family is completely devastated. She was an amazing cat and she would play fetch with hair ties and the fly parts on darts. Not cigarettes. Playing darts. She would sit at the bathroom door crying and scratching the carpet to be let in to hang out with you. She would come up onto my chest when I was crying and lick me on the nose and purr. Even though she only passed yesterday, I still hear her. I'm not completely sure if it's a grieving thing, but it seems too real. Not like a noise you'd hear in your head. A few hours after I got home from my boyfriend's house after my mom called me saying she'd been hit by a car, I was laying in bed with my boyfriend talking about my cat. I heard her high-pitched meow at the door. I started to cry harder 
and I didn't say anything to my boyfriend because it would probably freak him out. Then when I was in the bathroom washing my hands, I could hear a cat scratching at the carpet in between the bathroom door, just like she used to do when she wanted to be let in. I opened the door to see which cat wanted to come in, but there was no one there. Two were in my room, squishing my boyfriend up to the wall, taking up the whole bed like little shits they are, and the other two were in the kitchen eating their dinner. I was holding her and just sobbing when I swear I heard her meow at me. Again, no cats in sight. All my other cats keep growling at nothing and my dog keeps barking at nothing. I'm so happy she's here with us while we were grieving and I hope she stays with us. Dakota, we've had so many stories about people who've had pets that come back. And if it's one thing I'm going to hang my hat on and one thing that I'm going to say I believe in, it is that our pets come back to say goodbye to us. Look, even if it is a placebo, even if it is our brains doing it, if it brings you comfort, that's what's important. Also, random question, is a dart a slang term for a cigarette where you are from? Okay, I just googled it. It's slam term for a cigarette in Australia. The more you know, eh? And also just to say, I'm really sorry that you lost your cat in that way. Accidents do happen, but if you are somebody who hits a dog or a cat... Do stop and check if they have a collar or a number or somebody that you can call to let them know. Don't just drive off. Answer number five comes from Lily. When I was about seven or eight, I was having a sleepover with one of my friends. I was having a great time playing with Barbies, but I got really tired, so I went and laid down. I fell asleep and woke up when she came to bed. I looked up and all I saw were three red hands on my ceiling. I looked over and my friend's face was so pale I thought she was dead. When I looked back at the ceiling, the hands were moving and dragging along. They started to reach down so I buried my head in the covers. I blacked out and woke up to something touching my face. I looked and there was nothing there, but my face was wet. After that, nothing else happened, but I don't sleep in that room anymore. Oh, I don't... Blame you, I wouldn't sleep in that room anymore either. Is there anything more unsettling than if you shake hands with somebody and they have a wet hand? I have very sweaty hands and I'm also really conscious of it when I'm like shaking somebody's hand or meeting somebody for the first time. And it, it, I find it really disconcerting if somebody has like a cold, clammy, wet hand. I'm like, oh, what have you been up to? What have you been doing? And if that cold, clammy, wet hand is coming out of your ceiling in the middle of the night and touching your face, no. No, thank you. Give me the shadow man running after you any day. And story number six comes from Ashley. My sister Nicole recently had her story read out in episode 128. I'm the freaky kid sister who made the glass explode. I've been meaning to write to you for a while. And these are some of my experiences in that cottage. Me, my parents, my brother and sister lived in a rural Aberdeenshire cottage which was an old horse slaughterhouse. It was a run-down, smoke-damaged cottage my parents renovated. Also, my sister found horseshoes in the garden while renovating and always felt the sad historical energy. From a toddler, I'd play games with my imaginary friend called Fiona. She had red hair and wore a red dress. For years, I'd often say something was going to happen and suddenly it would. For example, one day while sat in the living room, I said to my parents, Those books are going to fall. And suddenly we heard a crash in the hall. When we went out to look, the small stack of books we kept in the hall had fallen over. They were tied to the corner, so they would have had to have been purposefully pulled out and thrown all over the floor. But then things got even scarier. 
when one night me and my sister were sitting on her bed talking and sat by the bed was a beautiful thick glass pyramid tea light holder. And for some reason I said to her, why doesn't that candle holder explode? And as soon as I said it, we both looked at the pyramid and it burst and shattered into pieces. My sister screamed, but I thought it was hilarious. So I said her poster would fall from the wall at the opposite side of the room and suddenly it did, making the situation even scarier for her. So she kicked me and my little ghost friend out of the room. I don't know what or who made me say these things would happen. I'd just say them without thinking, but I just knew it was Fiona playing. Back to when I was a toddler. I somehow got to the top of the landing, but we had no stairs at the time, only a ladder I couldn't climb, and there were no banisters across the landing yet. But I managed to get up there very fast. And then I fell from the opposite side of the landing and landed cross-legged on the very spot the old stairs started down below. How I didn't injure myself, I don't know. I remember it as clear as day, even though I was a toddler. I remember being up there with someone, not living, but they were dancing with me, and then I fell. I wasn't pushed, it was just an accident, but something helped save me from serious injury. One evening, my mom had a medium round for a card reading while I was in bed. My dad didn't believe in mediums and would never admit to anyone or himself that he believed in ghosts, but he really did, he just wouldn't admit it. My mum was a private person and never told anyone about Fiona or the odd occurrences as she would be seen as mad. She never told the medium about any of it as she was a local and a friend too and my mum always shrugged everything off. I had never told this woman about Fiona. I never talked to anyone about her apart from my mother when she would ask who I was talking to. Especially when she would find me in the dark sitting surrounded by my toys in a perfect circle while playing dolls with Fiona. During the reading, the medium chuckled and said, There's a wee girl peeking around the corner. She's playing hide-and-seek with you in the hall, Stuart. Hi, Fiona. And as soon as she said this, she was straight back into the card reading as if nothing happened, while my dad was sat there probably trying not to show his shock. I also dug up a well in the woods next to the house as a child, just to make things even creepier. I had lucid dreams in that house, which stopped when I move out. The scariest ones being stuck in my bed in the dark with a row of porcelain dolls staring down at me from the top of my wardrobe. Then another one where a female skeleton in a floral dress was holding me by my neck and punching me in slow motion. I was fully aware in the dreams, but I could not move or wake up. I never experienced lucid dreams again until I moved into my current cottage, which also has a spirit, we believe, as some very strange things happen, including someone running around upstairs and things falling from the bedroom units. My lucid dreams started up again here. One day I was talking to my neighbour who grew up in this cottage and she told me that one of the bedrooms is haunted and no one would sleep in it. This is the same room we hear the footsteps and things are thrown from the units. I had forgotten about Fiona as an adult. We had moved out of the house when I was 12. When I was 21 I visited a medium in a city far away from where I grew up. Out of the blue, at the start of the reading she said... There's a little girl here. She died in an explosion or a fire, something with smoke. She and her family live in your old home. They're all happy there. She was friends with you. It was lovely to know Fiona still thought about me and I think it was Fiona's father who helped me when I fell from the landing. And my sister once felt like she walked through the spirit of a man in that house too. I'm very drawn to that house. Something makes me feel a bit angry and very sad that I don't live there now and I would do anything to live there again. 
That is some Matilda shit right there. For sure. If I thought my sister had Matilda powers and I didn't, I would fucking murder her. I would be so jealous. Oh no, I wouldn't be able for it. No way. No way, no, no way. I don't even care how freaky it was. I'd just be like, no, you don't get to have these powers when I don't. That is not cool. And it really sounds like these particular entities, spirits, whatever they were that lived in the house, were particularly fond of you. And like you said, I mean, that's an amazing story about falling from the landing and something saving you. And you ending up cross-legged sitting at the bottom of the landing. That is, that is really amazing. And we've had kind of stories up and down of people who have had falls or strange things have happened and they have felt like they've been caught or like something has rescued them. And I don't blame you for feeling like you want to go back to that house. I think it's quite common. And I kind of understand it with people who have paranormal experiences. Like when I went and stayed in my haunted hotel, while it wasn't profound paranormal experiences like this one, the experiences that Kev and I had did make me feel like I wanted to go back. Like I want to go back and see if these things will happen again or see if something more will happen. So I get it. It's I think it's a human curiosity thing. It's a connection to understanding that there's something more than this life. Totally understandable. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Taylor, Coach, John, Dakota, Lily and Ashley for sending in your stories. Remember the last story came from March the 29th, 2022. Please, if you can, if you want to, Remember to vote for Real Life Ghost Stories in the Irish Podcast Awards Listener's Choice Award. If you want to find out more about Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast, you can do so by checking out reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can also get access to heaps of extra content on patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for five dollars a month or two dollars a month you get access to lots of extra content but also every main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. <laughs>